Bhagavata. So it's the 4th of October, 2022. So the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, he had this sharp wisdom that allowed him to gain complete victory over the defilements. And he said that the ridgepole had been snapped and all the rafters had been dismantled, meaning that there was no place for tanha or craving to reside in his mind anymore. And so he gave this comparison. And he taught us to contemplate these five khandas, these five aggregates. And for those beings lacking in wisdom, they'll attach to these as being me, belonging to me. And when they do this, then they're carrying something that's heavy. And so these five khandas, they're heavy things to carry around. It's like we're carrying five kilograms. Each of these khandas weighs one kilogram, so five of them, five kilograms. And every place that we go to, we're weighed down with these five kilograms, and so we never feel at ease. If we're standing, we're sitting, we're walking, we're lying down, we're always shouldering these heavy objects, and so we feel weighed down. And being weighed down is suffering in this world. That we have this heaviness within our hearts in this world is due to our clinging to these five khandas as being me and belonging to me. And so that's why the Buddha taught that carrying these around causes us to feel burdened, weighed down. And the arahants, the fully awakened beings, they have laid aside all of these heavy things. They've put them down. The first level of awakening or nobility and of stream entry, those beings have put a quarter of these heavy things down. The sakadagamis, they've put down two uh, quarters or one half. The Anagamis have put down three quarters, and the Arihants have put all of this down. And so they don't have any suffering. They've permanently destroyed these defilements. In the beginning, we start out meditating and developing our mindfulness, and so that it works alongside our minds, it's always there with the mind. And sometimes there will be some degree of thought and proliferation. But we know what's going on. And we keep our mindfulness within the body. And also noticing the arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing of these thoughts. We consistently persist at this. Carry on practicing like this in a smooth and even way. Making it continuous. And so that samadhi becomes more and more firm. 
So maybe this will be a degree of kanaka samadhi, this little bit of peace. And we may feel rapture coming up, that uh, the body may sway, or the hairs may stand up on the body. We may feel like the body is growing or expanding, and there's this inner contentment and fullness of our hearts. And then, as our samadhi grows, then when we sit, maybe it feels like our hands have disappeared, and then maybe half the body disappears, and then the whole thing. It feels like we don't have a body anymore. And then we see the heaviness of attaching to this body. Because when we let go of it, then it feels like there isn't a body that's there, that I don't have a body, and there's no me within the body. And so we're able to let go of some of this heaviness. But at this point, it's a letting go due to samadhi. There's still attachment there, there's still a sense of self that's there. But that samadhi is suppressing it. And so then we need to use this samadhi to contemplate so that wisdom arises. And this wisdom being a thorough, all-round knowledge of sankharas, these fabrications in line with their truth, seeing them how they actually are, gaining this clear knowledge and insight into them. And so maybe this knowing will arise that this is not me. And that's all it takes to see the Dhamma, if our parami, our spiritual accumulations, have reached that level. And so, if that happens, if that's the case, then it doesn't require a lot to happen. Just like Venerable Sivali, that when he was getting his head shaven to ordain, and then initially he reached the level of Sotapanna as his hair was falling to the ground. And then by the end of having his head shaven, uh, he reached the level of Arahant. But he had created a lot, he had done a lot before already. So we could see into Anicca, this change and impermanence, he could see into not-self. So the things of this body that comprise this body, usually we consider them to be me. And this is where we differ from Venerable Sivali. So the teeth in the body, we think that those are me. Even when they're taken out, we say that that's my tooth. But the teeth and all the other things in this body, they don't make those claims to be a person, to be a being. They're just elements that follow the course of nature. It's this ignorance which makes that claim, that says that this is me, this belongs to me. But when we meditate and wisdom arises, then we see that these things are not self. They're just natural elements following their own course. And this knowledge grows slowly but surely. And in the end we see clearly into it and we see the Dhamma. And so having seen the Dhamma already, it's not difficult. 
Samadhi grows and grows, we contemplate into this body, each part of it, seeing all of it as just being elements, as being empty. And it's much easier to do than it was before. We see how the currents of the elements flow through the body in a subtle way. Like there's this current of heat or of the fire element, the flow of the water element, and how these flow around the body. We can see this in a very refined way, seeing into emptiness. So when we practice and we know the path, then we won't have any doubts. And we're beginning to... Sorry, but in the beginning we need to rely upon the energy that we have of our forbearance and our efforts. We need to really set ourselves on this path, and that's really important. Being set, having this effort, having chanda, this um, desire, and an affinity or a liking for this practice. Seeing the harms and the drawbacks in samsara, seeing the danger of clinging, and how that produces heaviness within our hearts, and how we're constantly suffering. So when that's the case, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, it's possible for us to be suffering, no matter what posture we're taking, due to the incorrect views that we hold. But when we've trained ourselves already, and we see the danger in this clinging, then we can set our hearts firmly on walking this path of sila, samadhi and panya, of virtue, collectedness and wisdom until we see clearly how all of these things are not me, and they're not mine. And this is really incredible at this point. It's something that we haven't seen before. We've never known this at all. So if we see things as a self, then that means we're deluded by the self. And that's how Venerable Ajahn Chah taught it, that we're deluded in the self, that we don't see reality. But when we've contemplated well already, then a knowing arises. We see into these qualities of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of change and suffering and not-self, in line with their actuality. We see the truth of the self. We see the Dhamma, we see the Buddha, we don't have any doubts. Our faith becomes more firm, it becomes unshakable, this achara sata. And so we practice like this. In the beginning, however, everything is hard. But when our mindfulness becomes firm with the mind, then our understanding grows and grows. Samadhi becomes well established, and the doubts that we have are very few because we know the methods of the practice already. So may we all contemplate these sankharas, these fabricated things, how they're things that are always changing, how in the end all of us need to depart from this world, and what is it that we can take with us. So those who have wisdom will feel compelled 
to seek out goodness and skillfulness and virtue. And this act of cultivating the mind of meditating is something that's extremely skillful because it gives rise to purity in the mind. So we abandon all harmful things, all evil. We give rise to skillfulness and we make the mind pure. So when we have virtue, what that means is that we have, we're abandoning all this evil and harmful things. We develop merit or kinds of goodness that we can. And so chanting this is a form of merit. Helping out in the various duties and work of the monastery, this is merit. Being generous, keeping precepts, spreading metta as loving-kindness, this is all of merit. And making the mind pure. Because if there's clinging there, then there isn't purity. But when we contemplate and we see into anicca, dukkha, anatta, then the mind becomes brighter, it grows in its radiance. If we cling, however, then the mind becomes darker and darker, so it can go both ways. For practitioners, they need to walk this path with sincere effort. And the question may arise, is it difficult to develop mindfulness? Well, if we've never trained our minds before, if they've always been following their moods, always been following the sense impressions for this entire life and all our previous lives, and then we come to try to train the mind to not allow it to be carried away by all of its liking and all of the uh, seeking for gratification and that it does. And seeking for that in uh, forms and sounds and tastes and odors and tactile sensations. If we've never done that before, trying to stop that flow would be very difficult. And so if the mind is always flowing along with that, then it will be born and die, and then born and then die over and over again. And that's just how it is. And this body, if it gets sick, can give us a lot of grief. And for some illnesses, there's no medicine to cure them. And in the end, the body needs to break apart. But before it breaks apart, it really puts a squeeze on us. So therefore, for us, we need to get a firm footing in the foundations of this practice. Because suffering is waiting for us. It's right there in front of us. So we can't afford to be heedless. We need to persist in developing our mindfulness, making our samadhi firm so that we give wisdom a chance to arise. Or we can contemplate in order to give rise to peace, and that's also possible. So may you really set your hearts on this. May you be heedful, and may you be sincere. <laughs>